Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We have covered the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians, but we're going to do a little skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and remember, as uh, I've said before, during this series, this is a classroom format, and um, if you have questions along the way, feel free to raise your hand, and uh, I want to give you the opportunity to ask the question, but we're going to bring a microphone to you before you ask it, because we do have people on live stream, and we have people who subscribe to our podcast, and I want them to be able to hear everything uh, that's going on in the room, because some of them may have the very same question you do, and uh, we can help as many people be informed as possible and get their questions answered. Is that a deal? All right, wonderful. Praise God. Um, so let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but I, I'm going to also give you one more scripture out of Romans. Now, I didn't give this to our computer lady back there. I'm just going to read it to you because I want you to understand how important this is for us uh, in the realm of the spiritual gifts. Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. All right, we understand that we become shored up in our faith. We become firm in our faith, established through the spiritual gifts. All right? It's so key to your walk with God. And really, the the full potential of a life, the full potential of a marriage, uh, of a family, or of a church will never be realized until there is a clear biblical understanding of the divine gifts. And so these things release all the potential for you to live the God kind of life to live what, out these promises, to experience his glory and his splendor and his power, the demonstration of his power. Jesus said, signs follow believers. All right? So not only do we have a message to preach, but we have a message to demonstrate. And through these gifts, they are there to demonstrate the goodness of God, his grace, but also to build the body, to establish the saints, to edify the church. All right, there's so much good to them, but this affects every area of a believer's life. And so let's, lo- let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. So this is why, so knowing that, that the f- full potential is realized in this, Paul opens this up and says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. All right, you've got to catch that, how important it is. It does not want us to be ignorant. So we need to understand why these spiritual gifts are important, how to get them operating in our lives, and their purpose, all right, so that we will pursue these things, so that we'll hunger for these things, so we'll we'll desire these things. In 1 Corinthians 14, it opens up by saying, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, all right? That's how easy spiritual gifts come. It doesn't come by striving and doing all those things, just a simple desire, and God will meet you there at at your desire for these things, because he longs to, to let these gifts be expressed through his people um, because the gifts are what are vital to the life of the believer. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. The word dumb simply means voiceless, without faculty of speech, all right? Anything carved or created by man to worship, man-made things, Dumb idols, not able to communicate with you. They offer no life, no help. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So verse 4 says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And I want to talk to you for just a moment about the three types of gifts. Uh, Now, there's lots of of gifts, but we're going to look, we're going to kind of categorize them tonight just for our understanding, okay? Three types of gifts. We have the gifts of the Father, we have the gifts of the Son, the gifts of the Spirit, all right? So I want you to take your Bible now and let's run over to Romans chapter 12 for just a moment. Romans chapter 12, it's all the same Spirit because God is Spirit, but we have kind of characteristics in these gifts from the Father and the Son and the Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, Romans chapter 4, verse Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, verse 4 says this, For 
as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligent leading is a gift, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I like this. I like that he who exhorts in exhortation. Exhortation is a gift. It's a gift from the Father. And there is somebody in your life that you get around them, they ought, you're, you automatically come up in your whole spirit, your whole attitude and everything. They just make you smile. They make you laugh. They make you feel good. Uh, those are people that operate in that gift of exhortation. I like to say Charlie is our exhorter at One Cause Church. No doubt about it. Um, but if I'm thinking of preachers, if I'm thinking of preachers who have that gift of exhortation, I think Joel Osteen is just about the best at it that there is. And I cannot stay sad after I listen to a sermon from him. Right? He's going to build you up. He's going to lift you up. I'm not going to necessarily learn theology from him. All right, I go to other sources for that. But if I want to smile, if I want to come out of a funky attitude, Joel Osteen's going to help me do that. And I thank God for that gift in him. I thank God for what he's doing in the body of Christ. All right, that poor guy gets so much flack, it's ridiculous. But anyway, I love him. I appreciate him. These are gifts of the Father. Or we're going to call these the motivational gifts. Okay, the motivational gifts. Uh, and then um, 1 Corinthians 12, 5 says, There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Differences of ministries. So now we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to see the gifts of the Son. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these are the gifts of the Son, or the ministry gifts. The gifts of the Father are the motivational gifts. The gifts of the Son would be the ministry gifts, all right? And uh, the fivefold gifts and and We'll talk about that maybe more extensively down the road because we're really trying to focus. The emphasis is going to be tonight on these uh, gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 now says this, and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So these activities, the, the Spirit of God is the one who produces action. Remember Jesus said when he stood up in the, in the synagogue, Luke chapter 4 he, he goes in there and they hand him the book of Isaiah because they have a certain way how they read there in the temple. And, and they read basically line upon line. And so when, when they have finished with their reading, there's a little mark at the end of that, their reading. So the person who comes in the next time for the reading, they go find the last mark and then that's where they begin to read. The ruler of the synagogue is the one who makes sure that the reading is done in order and in the right way. So Jesus just so happens by coincidence to come in this day to the temple, to the synagogue. They hand him the book of Isaiah. And so now he just happens to go to the very end, the last guy's reading, and says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty, these, liberty those who are captive, to open the blind eyes, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he handed it back to the attendant and the scripture says that all the eyes of the people were on him. And he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your eyes. You. All right, but notice what he said. This, Jesus didn't do any miracles. He didn't perform anything until the spirit descended upon him. That happened in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when he came up out of the water, right? And the spirit descended down upon him. And it was from that day forward, Jesus had the unction to function. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me too. In other words, he's the active part. All right? He's equipped me. He's, the anointing is the working part of God. Uh, uh, Acts 10, uh, 28 or 38? 38? How God, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So we see that this, the activity of the Spirit. All right, now, let's keep going. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation, everybody say manifestation. The, the manifestation or the expression of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of all. For the profit of all. 
That is, to, that word profit of all means to bear or to, to bring together, to carry with others, to collect or contribute in order to help, to be profitable. So God, God has given his, his people, uh, listed here in this passage of Scripture, these nine mighty gifts of the Spirit to enable them to mature spiritually. I mean, we all need that, right? To edify others and to do the work of the ministry. Although these gifts of God are certainly perfect because the Scripture says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. James 1.17, and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning, which means he's never going to change being good. Amen. I love that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The manifestation of these gifts are sometimes not so perfect because they're manifested through imperfect channels called humans. That's why the scripture says we know in part and we prophesy in part. For to one is given, look at verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All right, so now we have this nine things listed here, uh, nine functions of the Holy Spirit, nine gifts. But I want you to understand something. There's a difference between the manifestation of the Spirit and the gift of the Spirit. All right? And we need to make sure that we really know how that works. The manifestation comes upon the one to whom, through whom the Lord wants to dispense that gift. All right? I don't have the gift of the word of knowledge. If I'm operating in the word of knowledge, that doesn't mean I have the gift of it. It means I have the it's being manifested through me. The gift is to the recipient, not to the one that is being used. The manifestation is on the one that is being used. You get that. The expression is being used through that vessel. The gift is to the one who's receiving it, though. All right? So these are given. Why? For the profit of all, for the building up, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the purpose of these gifts and to establish us and to mature us in the things of God. So it's interesting. So let's, we're, we're going to break these down now for just a moment in categories of three, all right? We have nine gifts. So we have uh, the communication gifts. If you're taking notes, you can just jot this down. Communication gifts. These are gifts that say something, all right? Which ones are there? Well, they have prophecy. We have diverse tongues, and we have interpretation of tongues. These are gifts that say something, the communication gifts, all right? We also have the revelation gifts. These are gifts that reveal something. This is where you come into the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And then there are the power gifts. The power gifts. These are gifts that do something. Faith, healings, and miracles, and working of miracles. Faith, healings, and working of miracles. You have communication gifts, the revelation gifts, and the power gifts. All right? just so you can maybe have a little better understanding of their operation. All right? Any questions on any of that so far? Slow down. Okay, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Communication <laughs> gifts. <laughs> These are gifts that say something. And that would be prophecy, diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues. The revelation gifts would be the word of wisdom, and we're going to go through these and talk about them, their function, the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. All right, I'll get to your question in just a moment. Um, and then there's the power gifts, the gifts that do something, all right? Uh, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, and the gift of the working of miracles. All right, uh, was that you, Ashley? Had your hand up? Yes, ma'am. Right, let's get a microphone to her. My young son. Thank you. Uh, um, well, I'm, I might be jumping the gun, but you were saying earlier that, you know, God wants to give us these gifts and that, you know, we pray for these gifts and it's easy as asking. Mm -hmm. But then they're divided into categories and then they're special to each person depending on how that person was built. So do you ask for all the gifts or do you just kind of go, I'm not sure what my gifts are? 
Lord, whatever they are, give them to me. I mean, what? Yeah, I think that you can operate in all of them, but I think that just based upon your personality, you're going to express other ones or emphasize other ones more often than others. Um, but we all have the, the same spirit, as it said. So we all have the ability then through that spirit to have the manifestation of these gifts flowing in our lives. Um, so I would say it says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So this, this is a wide open invitation to us. But, you know, just like, just like um, you just have a tendency to kind of uh, be attracted to certain characteristics of these gifts, certain ones that really fit who your, your makeup and your, and your frame. So, um, sure. but yeah, it's an invitation to all. Okay. I believe that. Now the gift of the now the office of the prophet is different from the manifestation of the gift of prophecy. All right, the office of the prophet is it's it's a different thing, and we and you know we've talked about those things, and maybe we can talk about that another time. Like the the office of the prophet is the prophet that can prophesy any time just on a whim, but these things are distributed as the spirit will wills. All right, uh, like like tonight when I saw that dog's nose. The Lord was wanting to say something to somebody, so I just, okay, Lord, show me what you're, what you're saying here. And so then he just begins to reveal that thing. And I pray often that we have the, the flow of the gifts of the Spirit in our services. We need them. Uh, we need them in operation. But we need them in operation with understanding. That's why Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. Hey, listen, I've been in church services where there was a lot of ignorance in the spiritual gifts and a lot of, a lot of operation in them that wasn't edifying that wasn't true to the scripture. And uh, I, I don't want to experience that stuff anymore. I want Bible experience when it comes to the things of the spirit. I, I don't think that's asking too much. You know that we can as spirit-filled people, and I don't know why people seem to go to uh, different ends of the spectrum when it comes to the, the things of the spirit. Some go all the way to the radical fringe, right? That everything's spontaneous and everything has to be wild and crazy and, and nuts. And the other side is we're not doing one ounce of anything like that. Right? So there's, there's in, in one realm, there's that, that seeking for the power and the manifestation and the glory. Then there's the other side that just wants things to be in order. But God says we can have both. Hello. We can have both of those things. Power and order. Imagine that. That you can have the flow of the Spirit and things still be in order. It doesn't have to get weird. This is God. Right? And so, uh, I mean, it's, it's all, to, our, to our natural mind, it's already strange, the things of God. These, these things that we operate through in the realm of faith and, and just being led by the Spirit. But there's, a, there's an order to it, too, because God loves people, and He knows that these gifts are here not so that we can just be more spiritual or, or show how spiritual we are, but for the edification of the church. That's the goal. That's the aim. That's the purpose. All right? And, and so that's why I want to help bring understanding of these things so that you would desire these things and operate in these, in these and, and know that these are here for us to be used of God and to help the body of Christ hmm? and to grow in our relationship with the Lord. Um, I've, I've personally operated in several of these, these things, seen the manifestation of the Spirit in my life and uh, it's, it's an awesome thing. And I, I found the more I set my desire on it, the, the more it, often it comes, the more aware of it that I am. And uh, so I just want to encourage you in that. You want these things? Just say, Lord, I want to operate in these gifts. Show me. Teach me. Uh, so let's talk about this for just a moment. Let's talk about the, uh, the communication gifts, uh, prophecy. Uh, we believe in prophecy and and. Prophecy is, is just revealed knowledge of a divine purpose, okay? So we have, and it can be foretelling, um, it can be uh, predicting. You, you know, you've had somebody prophesy over you and talk to you about future things. But these things operate actually really well with like, they're kind of first cousins to uh, word of wisdom and word of knowledge, they kind of all flow together. Like years ago, um, when I, when I first started in ministry, it was something that I didn't know I was going to get into. And I, uh, I thought that I was going to be getting right into teaching and preaching ministry. But the Lord and my dad uh, pushed me into music ministry. Um, I had, when I was a 
attending Christ for the Nations as a teenage kid, um, me and a, a friend of mine, we started a band, and so we, we really wanted to go reach to the lost that were in the bars and that whole scene, and so we started writing songs and dreaming about just being, being able to have that time to minister, and so when we finished school, we went back home uh, out to San Angelo, and so we started, we got our band fully together, and you should have seen my younger brother who's, you know, you've got, you guys have all seen my brother, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, who's pretty stoic in the way he looks, you know, doesn't smile very often, doesn't express, but back then, when he was our, our front man lead singer with long hair, yeah, you wouldn't have known, known that side of him. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and uh, Stephen uh, was also in my band with me, and uh, we had a lot of good times, didn't we? <laughs> and it was played some scary places, but, you know, God used us in that way. But during that time as we were, we were doing that and my dad um, asked me to lead worship for the church because all of a sudden our, our worship leader, who just built this great ministry, is a fantastic songwriter, and they had recorded a worship album, you know, and things were really going well. He had a moral failure, and so here I am fresh out of Bible school, and the only time I've ever even led worship was in a small group in high school. That was my only experience, and now I'm supposed to walk into this, these professional musicians and show them and direct them, right? I mean, it was just like, ah! So that was my experience. And so I was in that realm writing not only rock songs, but also got into writing worship songs and things like that and did that for a number of years. But I still knew that God called me to preach. And so Heather can attest to this, that I had a lot of nights where I was so torn between those two worlds. I, I felt like I wanted to be in God's will, and I didn't know sometimes if, if, he, if that was that ultimate calling to preach was now or if God was still waiting down the road I just didn't know and it just really tore me apart and and I was down in a meeting in Lockhart Texas and a pastor by the name of Walter Hallam was a guest speaker that night and he called for people to come forward for for prayer or something I don't remember what the invitation necessarily was but I felt the need to go and as I'm walking toward him he points his finger at me and he says writing songs well right there there's the gift of the the word of knowledge all right? The word of knowledge has something to do with what has already happened or is happening right now in your life. All right? It's there to confirm. He didn't know me from Adam. But he said, writing songs. But you're also a preacher. And he says, and right now God has you exactly where you need to be, but ultimately your preaching ministry is going to be the emphasis in your ministry. Right. And I mean, that, um, there's the word of wisdom giving direction, talking down the road, future. All right, so right there, that totally set me free from all of that angst. And the peace of God came over me. And from that day forward, I, I was in peace. So in that prophetic word, there was the expression of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. All right, God's, where he's speaking God's wisdom to it. God, God's revealed knowledge in that way um, of what was yet to come. But yet it was still confirming. All right. So the word of wisdom and word of knowledge work very much in the realm of prophecy. And you, you've seen Pastor Roxanne when she's here and she prophesies. She does a lot of that. I mean, she's, it's her fault that we have multiple campuses. I totally blame her for that because that was all through prophetic utterance. We were not wanting to do that at all. God, I'm, we're still working through this. <laughs> no, I'm very happy about it. It's, we've seen a lot of great fruit and are continuing to see but then there's this thing called discerning of spirits. I want to talk about this for a moment because that can get kind of odd. All right? And I will give you an odd story about it. I think I might have told you this before. But it's one that really became where this, this manifestation of the spirit really became clear to me. Um, I mentored a young man out in West Texas years ago, taught him how to play guitar and, and brought him on to my worship team and it was training him up in that way, and eventually he, he started leading worship. His name was Jason. Well, then Heather and I, we moved here and, and started our work at Cornerstone, which eventually became One Cause. And during that time, Jason and his wife, Mandy, had a couple of kids, and, and his work schedule was consuming his life, and, and it, he started working on church days, on Sundays, and, you know, and over time, they just got out of the habit of going to church. You know, this kid was raised in church all of his life, but, you know, stuff happens. And it's a lot easier to 
developed a habit of being out of church than being in church. And, and so they were just living life and wasn't necessarily off serving the devil or anything. It just wasn't in the gathering of the believers, you know. And they had moved out of town, out, uh, outside of San Angelo, and we're living out in the country out there. And um, so this is maybe if we'd been here maybe just a handful of years at that time. And he calls me and he says, Pastor Eric, I need your help with something. He said, I had a really strange thing happen. My, my little girl, Alora, Alora she, I think she was about three years old this, this time. He said, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, he said, we were at dinner with some friends. And he said, Alora looks at me and says, uh, Dad, Cyrus is, uh, is mean to me. He says, oh, yeah? He says, you know, I'm thinking that she's got some imaginary friend or, you know, she's always in her little play world. And yeah, he's got red, stinky eyes, and he bites my legs. And he said, well, and still, he's not thinking spiritually, right? He's, because he's not been around that lately. Hmm? So he says, uh, oh, well, you tell Cyrus to leave you alone, you know, just kind of brushed it off. Well, a couple more times, she mentioned it to her dad again. And then one day, his wife calls him while he's at work. She says, honey, I don't know what to do. Alora's standing, staring out our front door, the screen door, and saying, mom, I mean, tears streaming out of it. Don't let Cyrus in. He'll bite me. Don't let him in. He's got red, stinky eyes. And <laughs> he said, I don't know what to do. He said, so... I thought, Cyrus, what is this name, Cyrus? What is this? What is this? He said, and then I remembered we had some neighbors move down from our house about a quarter mile down the road. And he said, so maybe there's somebody named Cyrus. I didn't, hadn't met my new neighbors yet. I don't know. He said, so I just thought, okay, I'll go down and talk to the neighbors. So he went down to the neighbor's house, knocks on the door, and a lady opens the door, and he says, hi, I'm your neighbor down here. I just wanted to say, first of all, welcome to the area. Um, and just did a little small talk at first, you know, how do you get, go right into this conversation? And, and then he says, can I ask you a strange question? He said, do you, does the name Cyrus mean anything to you? And he said, when I said that, her face immediately dropped. And she said, yes. I have a nephew named Cyrus who just a little while ago was killed in a hunting accident. And, um, and then he told her the story. And then she said, you need to get off my property right now and shut the door in his face. And as he's trying to talk to her, he's looking around the room and she's got like some weird things in the house, you know, some candles lit. And, and I'm thinking, this person has maybe tried to reach her nephew. Talk to the dead. I don't know, but some kind of demonic apparition has shown up. And I said, okay, Jason. I said, all you got to do is take authority over this. He said, what do I do? I said, you walk out of your house. You stand out in your front yard. And you say, you're not welcome on my property. In Jesus' name, you never come over here again. You're not, you're not invited here. You're trespassing. Stay off my property in Jesus' name. He said, just like that? I said, yes. <laughs> it's that easy. And so he did it. And never had one more issue with this creature named Cyrus. This demonic manifestation. And boy, he got back in church, though. <laughs> he and his wife and kids, I mean, they're serving God to this day. I mean, I, good idea good idea. But listen, even though he wasn't, even though he wasn't pursuing God per se, he still had the authority because he's a child of God right. and the greater one lives in him. Yeah. And so that in the right. discerning of spiritual realm, a lot of times he says, he, he says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit. All right. So the Lord can give you wisdom, give you that discernment to, to know maybe if there's a certain spirit in operation, demonic or angelic, whatever it may be. It's not always a bad thing. Discerning spirit is not just about discerning evil, all right? This is, this is good and, and evil, okay? Um, okay. Anybody have a question? One more. Ashley, let's bring her a mic. Son. 
I just really like attention from all of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I'm totally kidding. But I, oh. I know it's an odd question, but since we've just left that, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you see a lot of um, ritualistic things. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes people think you open up all the doors in the house, mm -hmm. you know, or you say just this or you say just that. And there's a lot of ambiguity around it, even in the church community. Sure. What really do you do? What really do? You, what really makes the difference? Yeah. You know, and I've even been in some of those things that you're talking about. You know, situations where you're trying to, you almost want to say more just for the, the the levity of it. You know, but what is your opinion as our pastor if we get in a situation like that? You know, do we do just exactly what you said that is, or does it matter? You know, some people say you have to put anointing oil on things. You know, and you anoint the house. Am I the only one here? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's okay. as simple as the name. And I, I know a lot of people have different ideas about that. that you got to circle the house seven times or, you know, whatever and do all kind of stuff. But I found that all the power you need is in that name. It really is. Think about it. Think, think about the language of the Bible. That's a good question, though, Ashley. Thank you. Um, think about the language of the Bible. It says they shall cast out devils. Did you, did you hear that? Cast them out. They're powerless. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested to destroy or unravel the works of the devil. Did he do it? All right. How do we know it did it? Because we can say in the name of Jesus, it's done, and continue to enforce that victory that was accomplished at the cross. The devil has no power. He has no power unless you give him power. And the, and, and the more you try to more wrestle with him in that realm, and the more clout you give him. I'm just saying, I think it's just as easy as cast out. You're done. Lay aside every weight. Ah, you brought up that verse. Okay. Let's go there. Ashley, now you opened up a can tonight. But that's a good question. She said, what about, this come, comes out about prayer and fasting. Let's talk about that. Um, that would be in Matthew. Chapter 17. Now, this story is about a man who had a son who had a devil that was convulsing him. And trying to destroy him. So they would throw him into the fire, throw him into the water, throw him, doing whatever it could to destroy him. Jesus and Peter, James, and John had just been up on this mountain having this glorious experience. I mean, they saw Moses and Elijah. They saw Jesus and Peter says, let's just start churches here and never leave this mountain. We'll just build one for each of you. And they had this glorious experience where God spoke from the heaven and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. And the, the, the law and the prophets were there to say that Jesus is it. They're there pointing to him. He was not there to uh, bring validity to their ministry. They were there to speak of him. Okay? The law and the prophets were there to point to Jesus. So they come down off this mountain, and while this glory is going on up on this mountain down the valley, the other nine guys are in some real trouble. This guy brings his son to them, and they can't cast this thing out. So they take issue with it. Now look at, look at, let's look at verse 14, Matthew 17, verse 14. When they had come to... To the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and, su and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. You can read the same story in Mark chapter 9. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, who's Jesus talking to here? The guys who didn't cast it out. Faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Watch. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then this next verse comes sneaking in. However, this kind is not God except by prayer and fasting. 
What? I don't know about you. Is something not making sense here? Because of your unbelief, you faithless and perverse generation. you got to get that faith and get it growing in your life. However, like that's not really the issue. This kind of, okay, wait a second, wait a second. So Jesus is, is, has rebuked them, but let's, let's remember a time before this when the, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, why don't your disciples fast? What did Jesus say? You don't fast when the bridegroom's with you. So now he's going to rebuke them for not fasting? Some don't line up. And I used to have trouble with this. I thought, why? What is the deal here, God? What is the deal with this? Then I found something really interesting. In the original manuscript, there is no verse 21. It was added by translators. If you read the complete Jewish Bible, it doesn't even have the verse in it. Somewhere, they just couldn't believe that this is a faith issue. So they wanted to add something to it. Think It doesn't even make sense. Because you have really, however, prayer and fasting would have done it. It doesn't make any sense. However, this kind does not come up. But I mean, search it out for yourselves. I'm just saying, search it out for yourselves. It's not there. It was added. Should we question the validity of the Bible then? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But when something doesn't make sense, we got to search this out and figure out what's going on. Let me, t- let me show you another place. Now, this isn't, um, uh, so that's one, that's, Ashley, I hope maybe that answered your question. Because it just didn't make sense to the rest of Jesus' ministry. That they couldn't cast it. Well, they weren't supposed to fast. Well, you should have been fasting after all, guys. It doesn't make any sense. Okay, let's go to another place. John chapter 12. I'll show you. Just, there are some little things here and there. Now, Overall, let me just say this, the Bible is solid through and through, and because the Bible can answer itself again and again. I mean, if you know the, the law of hermeneutics, it's, it's the Scripture interprets Scripture, all right? You keep reading, the answer will come. Um, but that one is just like out of left field, and that's why I had to really study that out. Okay, so John chapter 12, but I want you to see something else. Uh, when, I was growing, when I was growing up, uh, I would hear... People quote Jesus, say, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. You have heard the scripture? You have heard that said before? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Now watch this. John 12, verse 27. Jesus says, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus entered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Watch. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all, what? Peoples to myself. Now I want you to look in your Bible, that word peoples. Is it italicized? Is the word peoples there? You see it in italics, that means that they put that word there to try to bring context to it, okay? Let's, so let's just read, if, and I, if I am lifted up, will draw all to myself. What's he drawing to himself? Well, let's read the prior verse again, and maybe we can make, connect the dots. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all judgment to myself. He was judged so that you wouldn't be judged. He was judged for your sin. Then he says this, he said, signifying by what death he would die. Well, what death did he die? He died your death. For the wages of sin is death. That's the pronouncement of the judgment. And then he himself carried out the sentence. I mean, if 
if we believe that Jesus said, I will draw all people from myself, that means everybody's going to get saved. He draw judgment to himself so that the wrath of God would be satisfied in the death of his son. So that now God can truly look at not a sinful world, but a reconciled world. The sinful world has to be convinced of that by hearing a message of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. All right. So there are places in the scripture where they didn't do a perfect job in putting the right word or the right phrase in there. That does not mean you question the Bible. The Bible, we have tons of evidence that this is inspired word of God. You think about through centuries. It took centuries for these authors to write and to record things inspired by God and, and how God brought all this harmony, all of it together in one book to be a perfect flow in harmony. There's no man that could conjure that up. No way. But there are little things here and there. And that's the, that's the issue. See, that, that's a problem with the prayer and fasting. And I, Should you pray? Yes. Should you fast? I fast all night, every night. <laughs> all, night. <laughs> all night long. <laughs> fasting, is, I think, is a good discipline. But, you, but the reason for your fasting is what's important. Why are you fasting? So you can have a more powerful ministry. You better stop fasting for that reason. You want more powerful? You need to grow in your faith. All right? Keep the Word of God in you. Fasting is good for you to get this flesh under control. Hmm? Get the flesh to shut up. It's like putting an antenna up to get a better reception. All right? That, that's, that's, fasting is a good, it's a good discipline. But like I said, it's the reason why you fast that's important. If you, if you think that this is a performance for God, you've got to count the cost. You've got to pay the price. No, Jesus counted the cost. Jesus paid the price. Now I walk in victory in him. Period. Huh? Okay, so, uh, yes. Does that help you? Because I've, I've cast devils out of people without fasting. <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a certain kind of devil. They're all defeated. They're all defeated. We make too, people make too much, too much of the devil. I mean, they give him credit that he, he shouldn't even get. When the, when the scripture says, when we see him, we look upon him, we're going to say, this is the one that shook the nations? Really? He's a defeated foe with a loud mouth. That's all he's got. But if you believe in him enough, if you give him your attention, you give, then guess what? then that's what he's going to do. He's going to manifest in that way. <laughs> Cast him out. doesn't have any authority. doesn't have any right in your life. Amen. You've been bought with a price. So, but God, uh, oh, what was I going to say on that? Mm, I don't know. We've got to move forward. Any more questions? Are you sure, Ashley? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? 1 Corinthians 12. Discerning of spirits, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Okay. I'm going I'm to talk about one last thing, and then I didn't realize what time it was until just now. Sorry. Um, there was a man who um, I ministered to in um, Pretoria, South Africa, a few years ago. Who, you know, in Africa, um, curses and things like that are prevalent there. You know, they uh, people go to the even even a lot of the Christians they they haven't really fully grasped uh, just fully trusting in God and faith in Him, and so they they even have witch doctor practices even amongst the Christians uh, because it's. So their culture so inundated with it. And, you know, uh, hexes and curses and things like that, and even going for healing and, and stuff like that, that, that happens. It's a lot there. And this man that I was speaking with um, was talking about how he grew up in that, and people would pronounce curses over him. And so it was, he had stuff physically going wrong that just didn't make sense. Um, all this, like, stuff showing up on his skin. And, and uh, so he just, just thought... I don't know what to do. You know, these 
this curse has been pronounced over me. And he's a believer, but he doesn't, he doesn't understand what God has done for him and the victory that's been given to him. He just thought, I don't know how to get out of this. So a man brought him to me. We're, we're outside. We're sitting at this picnic table at this camp, and, and this man says, Pastor Eric, after he shared with me, he said, don't you think that we now, we should probably just start walking through his life and having him repent for this and, and repent for that and repent for that and break this curse and break that curse? And I went, uh-uh. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. I said, let's go to the Bible. Let's go to the Bible. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I said, now I want you to see this. Let's slow this down. An exchange happened here. Christ became a curse, and you became something other than that. You became blessed. He said, Jesus became the curse. I said, yeah. All you got to do is believe on him. And there is no curse on your life. And this man said, I can't believe it. I, I, I just can't believe it's that easy. I mean, Jesus did it. That was all. It, it's settled. It's done. I said, that's exactly right, man. <laughs> Celebrate that. The curse is done. There's no curse on your life. Yeah. Stop giving it a power. Stop giving it attention. Stop giving the devil a stage in your life. Yeah. Amen. He became a curse, and I became blessed. Open your mouth and declare what God has said, and that man got set free yeah. from that day forward, and it was over. It was over. It was over. I said, besides that, let's go through. Let's, where in the New Testament, where can we find where people go through people's inventory of all their junk? Why can't we just look to Jesus and stop putting people through this process and believe that it's done. It's finished. It's him. Amen. Amen. So this is even better. See, he rescued you. From generational curses by becoming a curse so that you could say, I don't care if it happened to my great-grandfather. I don't care if it happened to my grandfather. I don't care if it happened to my dad. It ain't happening to me. And it's not happening to my children because I'm standing in faith and I believe in what Jesus has done for me. He became a curse. Watch. A specific blessing came upon you, the blessing of Abraham. What does that mean? It's a generational blessing. You went from a generational curse to a generational blessing because God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That means now only blessing flows from you to your children to your children's children. But if you don't ever know that, if you don't ever believe that and confess that with your mouth and get that word of God activated in your life, you won't live in that experience. It's like if you don't believe on Jesus Christ for salvation, you still live under the curse of sin and death. But you've been rescued from all of it. Listen, if, he, if, the, if the power, if the curse of death and hell have been broken off your life, what is a hex from some witch doctor? I mean, that's the big bad curse, right? Everything else is finished. It's all done in him. All right? You've got to believe this gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the focus of everything that we believe and confess and cling to and rely on. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just stand for just a moment and just worship him? Just lift your hands and bless his name, that he has redeemed you from every curse. He has redeemed you from the curse of the law, that is, do bad, get bad. No, he brought you blessing. The blessing of Abraham transcends that curse. That blessing is upon you and upon your children, upon your children's children, so that you can boldly say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is Lord of my wife. Jesus is Lord of my kids. Jesus is Lord of my grandkids. Hallelujah. We are the people of God. We are the children of God. Amen. There is no curse that has any hole, any place in our life in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
that, that even we're free from those generational diseases and sicknesses and all that kind of junk and poverty and lack. We say, no, not in my house, not in my life. We receive what God came to bring to us. We receive what Jesus paid for. He became wounded, and we became healed. He became a curse. We became blessed. Hallelujah. He became poor, and we became rich. He became sin, and we became righteousness. He became the Son of Man so that we could become sons of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for that great exchange, Jesus. We didn't just get a changed life. We got an exchanged life. And in Him... In Him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Him we are complete. In Him. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for freedom tonight. Thank you for liberty. Thank you, Lord, that you did it for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, you made us alive. While we were dead, you made us alive. While we were dead, you seated us in heavenly places with Christ. And when we believed it, we came fully into that reality. Thank you for that. By grace, we are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. So that nobody can get the glory but God. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for your blessing on your people now as they go from here tonight. That they go blessed. That they leave here, Lord, empowered and equipped. They leave here tonight with a message in their mouths. And that burns in their hearts. A message of reconciliation. A message of love and life. A message of peace. Glad tidings of good things. Thank you, Father God, that they will announce it to whomever you cross their their past, Lord, whoever you put in their sphere of influence, co-workers, neighbors, friends, family, that they will be faithful and bold to declare your goodness, to declare your good news that sets the captives free. And I thank you that your blessing is upon them and their children. I declare all of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. Hallelujah. I thank you for this people here. They shall know their God. They shall be strong and do exploits in the earth. I thank you for these marriages that are whole and strong in Jesus' name. Lord, the relationships, Lord, with family and loved ones, Lord, is relationships that flow in the love and the grace of God, that love that covers a multitude of sins. Lord, I thank you, Father God, right now for healing in these bodies, Lord, that you came to give them life abundantly in Jesus' name, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that when tonight when they go home, and they lay their head on their pillow tonight that yeah. they will both lie down in peace yeah. and sleep for you alone, O oh Lord. Make them dwell in safety in Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 